Tired of the light? Then escape into the dark with DJ Evil Dave and Dr. Brandy's sexy voice. It's the Dark Corner Podcast presented by StrangeAndDeadly.com. I'm just as fucked up as they say. I can't fake the daytime. I found an entrance to escape into the dark. Got false lights for the sun. It's an artificial nocturne. It's an outsider's escape for a broken heart. Hi, folks. It's another episode, as promised. Yep, we're getting back into our correct release Monday. We're sliding back into your DMs. I thought you were going to say something else. (laughs) Yeah, she sneered at that. She gave this kind of stink face look. Like, ooh, I don't like that at all. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Grody. I'm having fun doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here we are. It was 100 degrees today. Uh, it felt like it. it. felt like a convection oven. You'd step outside and it was like somebody just had a heating lamp and a fan and was blowing the heat directly at you. And my office still doesn't have air conditioning. Boo. I don't know if I mentioned that we moved offices. You have moved offices. I believe you mentioned it last week. Okay, good. I don't remember what I said last week. Uh, aside from the main topic. I remember we talked about books. I was surprised I remembered all 10 books that we reviewed for posting onto tumblr and twitter etc etc well technically you only remembered nine you have to add, had to ask me about my final pick yes but <laughs> as i was asking you i remembered yeah so you say yeah mm. it's true right it's right at the moment because i remember oh yeah it was a children's book it was that uh, pug and pig thing piggy, piggy and, and pug. pug get the title right piggy and pug by ann wheaton i can't express how critical it is to get the title of a book right yeah because there is a pig and pug thing too that might be a knockoff i don't know in any case if you don't get the title right it makes it very very difficult to find and then you stress out the person at customer service at the bookstore so you want the title you want the author you especially want both yeah That'd make it the easiest to find. Mm-hmm. Or even if you just have one or the other, that's yep. a good start. But if you have both, bingo. It's like time and space. It's nice to have one or the other, but you need both to really be accurate. It's like, I'll meet you in the park. Okay, when? Or I'll meet you at 3.30. Okay, where? I'll meet you at the park at 3.30. Which park? Ah, there you go. <laughs> the witch park where all the witches hang out. 3.30 p.m.? Yes. See, the more accurate you get, the better. Yeah. Where in the park? In the tunnel? There are tunnels in the parks? Yeah. That's usually people end up getting killed. Remember that? Was it some Supernatural type series that was before Supernatural? They had some weird ghostly killer thing that was hanging out at a tunnel in a park. You know how they have like jog- jogging trails and they'll go under, go under like a bridge? Mm-hmm. I think Central Park is kind of famous for one having a tunnel. Okay. Yeah. You say so. I do say so. I've been to lots of parks and never seen a tunnel. Maybe I'll have to post some to our Facebook page. That'll be fun. Okay. It's always nice to have more content for a Facebook page. (laughs) It's usually just, hey, here's our podcast. Have at it. Bye. Now it's parks. Yeah, speaking of, uh, if you know anybody who you think would like the show, a little word of mouth is always good. That's kind of a advertising we would rely on Mm. if you think our weirdness would appeal to somebody you know 
customer referrals are the base of our business. Yeah, pretty much, because <laughs> we really don't pay for advertising or anything. And Nope. I mean, I post to social media, but people already have to follow me to even get that. So even a retweet is helpful because it spreads the word. Yeah. The message, the gospel. <laughs> the gospel of the, the dark corner. Gospel according to Robert Smith. Okay. Yep. I, I didn't know Robert Smith was writing our gospel. Thanks, uh, it's I guess. better than Joseph Smith, I guess. Oh, God. See? More noises. <laughs> Oh, you want to get into this thing? Well, as long as it's stable and won't tip over. Oh, okay, let me, hold on, let me put the ballast down. All right, okay, wait, let me, okay, I'm raising anchor. All right, and you can come aboard now. It's called weighing anchor. I thought weighing is when you actually drop it, or is that when you lift it? Why do you think anchor's away? Oh, yeah, because you and have to people... lift the anchor to actually set the sail. Yeah, and the funny thing is, people think it's anchors away, A W A Y. No, it's nope. A W E I G H. Yep, so if you weigh anchor is to sink it, if you outweigh anchor is mm-hmm. to lift it. Yep. There you go. Because <laughs> A means anti, so it would be the opposite of weighing anchor. Oh, wow. Grammar lesson. Nice. I thought you were going, oh boy, and we're going to go down that road. No, it's like, oh, no. Nope. Oh, okay. I like it. She likes it. I like it. She likes it nautical. She know it. <laughs> I like my port and I like my starboard. <laughs> I was about to say she likes it in her port side. No, no, I like it, it in my aft. aft. I like it in the aft. <laughs> she likes it in the aft. <laughs> Batten down the hatches. Yeah, um, it's not that kind of shit. Nope. <laughs> it's, it's just a pontoon. There are no hatches. It's a pontoon. <laughs> Is that Vietnamese <laughs> slang for something? No, that's poon tang, okay. <laughs> Pontoon. <laughs> Gonna give me some of that pontoon. <laughs> Boy. God, how many puns can we make? <laughs> Shit puns. Throw me a life preserve. Uh, that kind of leads us into what we're going to discuss first off. So here's yeah. news and reviews. So yeah, the most recent episode of the Adventure Zone was one of their live shows, their podcast, and yeah, they had some nautical stuff going on. Yeah, some ghost ships with skeleton crews and a kraken and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Lots of water-based spells that, that were contradictory. No they did no good. Okay, I'm gonna cast water breathing. I'm gonna cast water walking. I'm gonna cast shape water. I'm gonna cast whirlpool. Yeah. Yep, what control the water. Fuck. <laughs> it's like yeah, all these are. Shot. Uh, like opposing spells. Yeah. It's like you don't need water breathing if you have water walking. But that made me laugh That's quite a bit. what happens when people don't listen to each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, each one wanted to cast their own spell. So I was like, oh, I got a water-based spell. I'm going to cast this. Merle is just so anxious to cast anything. Even a healing spell, which he was going to cast on the person who had full, full hit, hit points. points. Because they fainted. Yep. So I know that's lesser restoration if you want to recover them from fainting. (laughs) Unconsciousness is a condition, and lesser restoration would restore them from that condition. So there you go. He did one thing right. Until mm. <laughs> later, but I'm not going to spoil it. Yep. <laughs> because if you're not listening to the Adventure Zone, oh my god, what is wrong with you? And speaking of, we have a graphic novel sitting right here on our coffee table. Yeah, this is going to be News and Reviews slash Comics Corner. Oh, nice. It's all things in one. Yes. So, because that's what I said we were going to talk about in Comics Corner, and then you threw it in News and Reviews, you 
Well, okay. The news and reviews was the podcast specifically. Now we're okay. going into Comics Corner. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Dun, 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 bum, bum. Yeah, you're just winging it Do I now. need to play you a little bumper? No. Okay. like flies look out here comes the spider-man okay so last week the adventure zone graphic novel here they be gerblins came out it was number one on the new york times bestseller list for that week for paperback books yeah, Mary Lou Henner gave him a little shout out, which was cool. Yeah, and they were number three overall, just in sales of books. Overall. overall. Mm-hmm. And these okay. are just three brothers from West Virginia. And their dad. Th- that, yeah, and their dad that, you know, they started this little advice comedy podcast and started doing role-playing podcast and boom, it's like one of the most popular things in the world. They did it as a joke. They started it as a joke. Yep. They never thought it was going to last. And somehow, after the first couple episodes, they realized, oh, we're having fun with this. Let's keep going. Mm -hmm. And then it turned into the most epic D&D podcast story Mm -hmm. I have yet to hear. Yeah, they have a foreword in the graphic novel from an actual fantasy author that talks about how amazing the storytelling is. Mm -hmm. And that it's collaborative. You know, they've all put their own input into the story to develop this, which is what D&D is. It's not just the dungeon master, you know, creating a scenario and your players just run through it. It's, you know, everybody has something to add. Everybody has a backstory to bring. Everybody's choices change the outcome. And it's just a perfect example of that. The bulk of this book was written by Clint McElroy, Daddy. Yep, Daddy and, McElroy. Um, I, I'm going to mispronounce this woman's last name. Carrie Peach... I don't really know. It's P-I-E-T-S-C-H. Yeah, sounds like Peach. And she was also the artist. And uh, they they collaborated most heavily for this book. Of course, uh, it is influenced... Uh, not influenced. It is the direct result of the first adventure that Trey's Horny Boys went on, which was supposed to be Here There Be Goblins, but uh, it turned into Here There Be Gerblins. Yep. We have our three adventurers... Taco, yes, T-A-A-K-O. Elven Wizard. Elven Wizard, great at cooking. Yes. (laughs) He used to have kind of a magical version of a TV show. Sizzle it up with Taco. Uh (laughs) And a whole bunch of people died because of some mix-up with the uh, ingredients. Yeah. He's Elf, Elf Wizard. We already talked about that. Then we have Magnus, who is a... Human fighter. Mm-hmm. And that's Travis's character. Justin is Taco. Local hero. Yeah. And a carpenter. Among things. Among other things. Then... Merle Highchurch. Merle Highchurch is played by Clint, and he is a dwarven cleric. Of the god Pan, so he's a nature cleric. Yes. 
And of course, Griffin is the dungeon master. And if you think he's not in this book, oh, you're wrong. He is in this book. Oh, yeah. There is fourth wall breaking all over the place. Especially when, yeah, they break the fourth wall to ask if they can do a certain action. And he's like, "Uh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see how this plays out. And they, they take the best moments of the actual stuff that happened in the podcast Uh and have put it into comic book form. Yeah, and since it's drawn, you get some nice visual gags in there too. So it's a nice combination of like the best of within the podcast, you know, reduced into the story. Though, yeah, there's some gags still from the actual podcast. Yes. They're really good gags. They are delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just the ending of chapter two, when Griffin says, you have cleaved the final gerblin. Cleft? Cleavered. <laughs> okay, cleft. Cleavered? I think it's clefted. Mm. He's fucking dead, all right? I'll buy a thesaurus before the next campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Which I bet if we went back was probably actually... Oh, it was in, in there. Yeah. Oh, it was totally in there. Yep. Yeah. All of that was totally in there. And just fun things, like, I love it when we plan shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Taco thinking of how they can just murder everybody. Mm-hmm. I say we just have them all gather, kill them all, and then walk away with the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we got to meet the bugbearer. Oh, the bugbear. Ganache. Yeah. Uh, what is his name? Yep, it's Ganache. Yeah. <laughs> and how they use a charm monster on him. and Yeah, just so funny. <laughs> And I love how they enter the rules, you know, they just layer that in conversation. It's like, okay, I'll have, only have 10 minutes to charm you right now, so we're on minute nine, mm-hmm. <laughs> if we could hurry this up. <laughs> you killed my dog! You set my dog on fire! Yeah, I anyway. actually remember that happening. Oh, I do too. I do too. <laughs> this is just... It's a delight. It, it really is. One of the most delightful things I've ever seen. I can't wait... For Angus to join in. Oh, yeah. the uh, Isn't that the very next adventure when they do the train adventure thing? Or is there one in between? You know, I'm pretty sure that... I, I, can't, I can't remember. I think that Angus... Yeah, they meet Angus on the train, which is the next adventure, I do yep. believe. And then I think it's the one where they have the tree that they fight. Well, all I can I say know. is uh-huh. that... With the success that this one has already received, there has got to be a book too. Oh, yeah. I imagine it'll take a while to compile and everything. Because, yeah, we have, what, two people writing it and one person doing all the art, coloring, and lettering, and all that stuff? Yeah, well, they already have the source material. It's just about yep. adapting it. Yeah. And what to take out and what to leave in. Yep. But I, I want some Angus McDonald. Yeah, and so. I'm just... Um, Taking it in slowly, doing a chapter at a time. You know, I'm not really gonna. I know. I'm not. Binge oh, it. I'm not binging it either. I'm just. I'm just leafing through and looking at the wonderful, wonderful joy that awaits me. Yes. Because I know the story. I know how it ends. Mm-hmm. I just really want all of it. I want the whole thing. Yep. I yeah, want the whole thing. The whole kitten caboodle, even like a compendium of their side trace horny boys adventures. Like when they go to the beach and get shrunk down and enter that sandcastle. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brian and Magic Brian. Magic Brian. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that awaits us. So... And so much gets set up for what happens later, and it makes you wonder how much was planned and how much was determined as they went. 
Because being a DM myself, there's things that are like happy accidents. Like, like, oh, I can tie that into this other thing that I wasn't thinking about originally. Well, I think that well by the end of this particular adventure, Griffin knew that he had an overarching story. He may not have known exactly how he was getting there. Yes. But by the end of the story, he had already set up the Bureau of Balance and Mm -hmm. the hunt for the Grand Relics. Yes. And so he had a loose idea of where each of those relics would be and what those adventures would be like. Yep. You know, what your challenges would be. So, yeah, we do recommend it if you're a fan of Dungeons & Dragons. There's plenty in there. Even if you're not even remotely familiar with the podcast, this is still going to be enjoyable. And these are role players that the story is more important than the roles. Yes. And I know some people can get really tied up in the roles of the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, but these that's, guys are That's like, just sad. What, whatever works, you know, whatever suits the storytelling, which is really the better way to Dungeon Master, is not to get too tied up in the roles. Yeah, because honestly, what's more important? Yeah, it's telling the story. The pleasure of telling yeah. a good story or nitpicking about rules. Yeah, or uh, crunching dice rolls. Yeah, it's that's not all what it's about. Because, yeah, there's been a few times I've overlooked certain things like casting one half of your cantrip and using an attack. <laughs> it's like, well, you get two attacks or two of you casting that cantrip. So it really balances out in the long run. So I'll overlook it, you know, not that you've ever done that, but it has I've, occurred. It Yeah. In our adventures. Well, I just got really excited when I realized I could use a bonus action uh, and... At my two attacks and then move. Yep. I didn't fucking know that. So in a single round, you get your movement. You get a bonus action to do whatever is draw a weapon or if you have any spells that are like a bonus action. Like I think your Hunter's Mark is a bonus action spell. Hunter's, ma- mark, huh. Hunter's Mark is a bonus action. And should someone die, I use my bonus action to move that to another person. Right. You get your attacks, of which you have two, and you also have a reaction. So, But I don't really have reactions. Yeah. I'm just stoic and bland. Right. <laughs> that I'm... But yeah, certain things are like a reaction type spell, like uh, Mr. Neeb, our sorcerer's shield spell is like that. Yep. You can cast it as a reaction. I am definitely just more of a stoic... Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill you all sort yeah. of person. Kind of like Taco in that regard. Let's just kill them all. I don't murder indiscriminately. If you s- still had the sort of Sophia that has a reaction ability, which is to parry, that you can use, I think, once between short rests. Yeah, but my whole thing is not letting him get close enough to hit yeah. me. Yeah, you're definitely a distance fighter. You're a ranger yeah. for a reason. I prefer that. And so, yeah, you want to move more often. It's like yeah. shoot and run. And then I totally forgot that mm-hmm. during our whole last session. Well, where we are right now is just a big circular room, so there's only limited options anyway. Yeah, but there's a vampire right in front of me, and yep. now I have to move in order to shoot them. Yep, and since moving leaves you open to an opportunity of attack, yeah. Well, that's fucking stupid. That's just the way the rules are. If you try to move through somebody's space when they're within five feet of you. Well, what if I was backing away? The same thing. Unless you make the disengage action, which you could do. You could disengage and move, and that would be your whole round. 
you wouldn't be able to attack. Yeah, well, that's no fun. Nope. But so basically, next round, I'm going to have to just whip something else out because I can't shoot someone who's standing right in front of me. You can. You'd be disadvantaged. And since your bonus is plus 13, you're likely to hit anyway. You say that now, but watch me roll a one. Well, you'd miss anyway because a one is an automatic failure. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yes. So even if you were far away from them, you, you would still miss. That's not what I'm saying. Ah. I'm saying is if I'm rolling disadvantaged, chances are my rolls are going to suck. Oh, yeah, because if you roll disadvantaged, you're twice as likely to roll a one, which gives you a 10% chance of failure. Yeah, but even so, even with the two, that's still not enough to hit them. Two plus 13. It might be if the armor class is 15. Let's stop talking about this. (laughs) We're going to go on all day. We were just talking about how you can get really nitpicky with rolls. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Anyway, get here there, Bee Gerblins. Yes, it looks like there's some uh, additional fan art in the back, too, from uh, people other than the uh, actual artist of the main bulk of the book. Oh, it's it's so adorable. Yep, some... This is just... Fan art. And if you so enjoy the fan art, then if you go to the Adventure Zone fan page, appreciation page, there's tons of fan art. Oh, they are doing it! They are doing Volume 2! Murder on the Rockport Limited. The conclusion... To that adventure is one of the greatest conclusions to any chapter of anything ever. Oh my god. It's amazing. I don't know how they even thought that up. And when you listen to the podcast, it does come across as just something impromptu or just discovered. It's like what you want in good improv, you know, to discover something and have it resolve itself in the most perfect way that seems inevitable but surprising. Which is your perfect conclusion. Oh, there's a cutesy picture of the bugbear, Ganache. Hugging the hell out of Magnus. Yep. Who is very big in his own right, but and seems course, small in the bugbear's It's a return arms. character too, Ganache. Yep. And you get that a lot with, uh, with the Adventure Zone return characters. Yeah. But not um, always. Not everybody you meet that you met before. He makes that abundantly clear in the recent podcast. Yeah. It's like, not everybody you meet is going to be somebody you already know. It's great that... We, I actually looked at the last page before the fan art and discovered that we will get to see Angus MacDonald. Yes. In the next... Boy Detective. Hello, sirs! Oh, and how mean Taco is to him. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. He, and he, I could get that impression that Taco would be good with kids. Mm-hmm. Taco's barely good with adults. Yeah. He's just <laughs> not good with anyone. Those strangely charming, nonetheless. Yep. Well, it's partially the voice that Justin does. Yeah. It's very lofty and sing-songy. And the funny thing is that he knows a guy that talks like this. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the Adventure Zone Zones, or the, the Adventure Zone Zones, when they talk about the Adventure Zone. Yes. And answer questions. So, yes, go go anywhere the books are sold and find it. The yep. Adventure Zone, here there be Gerblins. Mm-hmm. If you can't remember all of the names attached to it, just remember McElroy. M-C-E-L-R-O-Y. Yep, the McElroy Brothers. It. You can also go to the website of the publisher, which is First Second Books. first f i r s t second s c s e c o n d books b o o k s dot com. So spelled out. Oh wait. Spelled out. First second books dot com. Moving on. So that concludes the uh, comics corner. She's pressing it against her face like it was one of those, uh, in quotes, massagers you'd see in Cosmopolitan. (laughs) (laughs) 
Personal massage. Personal massagers. Quiet and discreet. Yeah, why do I need it to be quiet and discreet? Because I'm putting yeah. it in my vagina. <laughs> that's why. That's discreet. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the end of our news and reviews. We didn't really have much else to really discuss. News and reviews, Comics Corner. Yep, and Comics Corner, the new segment. Yeah. Um, we're going to see Mission Impossible tomorrow, so that review will come later. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll also get to hear a lot of what I think about it on the 602 Club, which will be out Wednesday, the 1st of August. Yeah. Which, yeah, we should just direct people to that, then. Not necessarily, because yeah. I have a different conversation about things with you than I do True. with Matt Rushing. And I have different opinions. Yes. So, like so. our uh, discussion on Jurassic Park was or Jurassic World the Lost Kingdom was Fallen different. Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Siddhartha Buddha. <laughs> Sorry. Zeus. I'm trying to think of other gods. Zeus, well, is a, Zeus is a dick. Yeah. Uh, Dark Track of the Week. Dark Track of the Fortnite. Fortnite, whatever. <laughs> the Dark thing. Track of the Episode. How's that? Dark Track of the Episode. Dark Track. Dark Track. Dark Track. Okay, this dark track comes from Mott Fox that is um, a cross-genre artist. I mean, a little bit of everything from gothic to industrial to dark wave, EBM, techno, you name it. Dips his toe in just about anything. And we have a song called Like the Dragon. We'll play that and talk about it in the afters. So here is Mott Fox with Like the Dragon. <laughs>
she's playing with Shut up. the happy planner rings. You turned it <laughs> back on before I was ready. I, it's funny. <laughs> little ASMR for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that did it to me right there. I actually do have ASMR. We should do a <laughs> podcast on that. Maybe next one we'll talk about that. Oh, cool. Oof. Okay. Goosebumps. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. I'm tingly now. <laughs> so sorry. That's fine. I like it when it happens. I think that's why I'm such a music fan. Mm. It's because little audi- audible cues or sounds or something can just make my skin tingle so i've always been a voice person mm. like things i find attractive in other people like voice is really up there i'm so sorry like oh no i really like your voice i mean that's <laughs> partly why we're married so i oh. liked your voice i liked your laughter my ridiculous laughter yeah my obnoxious laughter and that's why you're da- dr sexy or dr brandy sexy voice get your name right come on oh yeah song um <laughs> stripped down a Pretty much. It's like mostly drum and guitar, really. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, vocals are pretty much clear. I mean, I don't think you had trouble understanding oh, them until towards the end there. Not at all. Quite redundant. There's not really any bridge or any verse-chorus kind of scenario. It's just, we got this riff, we're going to play it for three minutes, and we're going to sing over it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And it works, I think. Yep. It's kind of like a stripped-down, kind of punkish, industrial rock kind of affair. Yes. Like the early days. So, I dug it. That's why I played it. Even has kind of a bluesy, rocky kind of vibe to it as well. Yep, I dug it as well. It's like sounds like just a power three-piece kind of thing. Yes. Well, yeah, that's Mock Fox, and they're from Minnesota, of all places. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The three of you enter a cave of a big red dragon, and is standing over a hoard of precious golden rubies. And he says, what do you do, adventurers? I'm a dragon man. I cast fire on him. It's very good. I address the red dragon to say... Us, we're the hosts of The Adventure Zone, a podcast about family playing Dungeons and Dragons. Very good synergy. Commit to the bit. I I, <laughs> I rolled to charm new listeners. It is very effective against all odds. Everybody, we're the Macroids. We host The Adventure Zone. It's a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons together. It's a comedy podcast. We don't take the rules too seriously because there's a lot of them and we did not take the time to learn them. Maybe listen to us. We come out every other Thursday on the Maximum Fun Network. You can find us on iTunes or on MaximumFun.org. I think this promo is a critical hit. It's <laughs> getting to the point. All right. It's kind of a Dungeons and Dragons themed episode, this one. A little bit. We've been talking about Dungeons and Dragons a lot because it's a big part of our life now that we've been, what, holding our campaign for two years now? Oh, heavens no, honey. Isn't it? Or a year? About a year, a year? and five months. Right. Because there was, was a year anniversary a little while ago. It was in March, I think. Right. It was our year anniversary. That's right. For some reason, I thought it was two years. It's weird. Nope. Last it's year. Just, just one year and five months? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're cruising along. Ninth level, which is pretty amazing. Yep. And so, yeah, it's because D&D is a big part of our life. You know, being fans of the Adventure Zone on top of that. Playing in our own right. That'd be fun if we were to create kind of an ideal party by just slotting in people from various bits of fiction or possibly historical figures if we can't find a decent one in fiction and build a party. I'm thinking to start with the the main five and if we need a six or have time for a six that we can slot in a maybe a sixth class as well. Okay. But I'm thinking we want cleric, fighter, ranger, wizard, 
And I had a fifth one. Rogue. <laughs> I don't know why the rogue was escaping my attention. Um, since you're really familiar with rangers, do you want to start with that class and try to slot in some people? Sure. Sure. I got a weird one to start with that would be cool as your ranger in your party. How mm. about John Rambo? I'm thinking specifically from First Blood. He's a Green Beret. He's a survivalist. He's going to be good at sneaking through the forest and killing people like camouflage style. Yeah, but how is he on the nature side of things? Well, that's what I'm saying. He's a he's built for wilderness survival. You drop him into enemy lines and he can forge and survive and be like a one-man army. And so he, he can even create traps and stuff as he does in First Blood. You're acting like I've seen this movie and I haven't. No, you haven't. That's just, that's my weird one to open up with. And if you're not comfortable with it, we don't have to accept that one. It's just not at all what, what you see? anyone thinks of when you say ranger. Well, I mean, he pra- basically is an army ranger, so. <laughs> but there is the automatic huge... weapons kind of hurts it. There is a huge difference between an army ranger and a D&D ranger. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also the post-traumatic stress disorder thing to deal with, and oh. that kind of messes with it as well. So, yeah, I think that would be kind of a, the downside of including him in a party. Yeah. He's really more of a solo guy anyway. I don't think he works well with others. Then he, we definitely don't so, want him in So maybe party. John Ra- Rambo, but yeah, those people I've seen First Blood probably know what I'm talking about. So he's out. Uh, do you want somebody more in line with the traditional ranger? Yes. How about Green Arrow from the DC universe? Okay, yeah, but it's got to be um it's got to be Stephen Amell's Green Arrow. <laughs> okay, I'm good with that. He's he's a good leader. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted a leader in your party, he'd fit in well with that. He does have the survival skills. He learned how to survive on the island that he says he was on for 5 years, but that's not true. Well, it was 5 years. And he started on the island and ended on the island. Aha. Uh-huh. But there were times in between he wasn't there on was, the island. There was like a year where he wasn't on the island. Mm-hmm. Or two. He was in Russia instead. And then another one where he's in, what, Far East Asia? China. Something. Yeah, I think he was in Hong Kong for a bit. I don't know. He has the survival skills. He's got the arrow skills. He can fight up close with a bow, which is pretty cool. So he's got kind of the, the in-close fighting skills. He's got the tracking ability. And he's good with the team. So that's a strong one. Mm-hmm. We can just full-on grab the ranger and go Aragorn or Strider from Lord of the Rings. Was he a ranger or would we think He that... is the ranger. He's oh, yeah. what the, char- the character class is based on. Okay. <laughs> sure. That's too maybe too close to the knuckle, like just too, too similar? I don't know. I would rather go outside of the template. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, if we want to cast the characters that inspired all these classes then what's the point yeah exactly so so let's strider's not. out rambo's out uh, no disrespect to strider so so far green arrow's in the lead mm-hmm. hawkeye is basically marvel's green arrow that's not as interesting what do you think if yeah. you were to compare if you were to put green arrow versus hawkeye who do you think would win I don't know enough about comic book Hawkeye to say. Yeah. But if we're talking about screen versions, Oliver Queen would kick the hell out of Clint Barton. Yeah, and, and the Oliver Queen, kind of the wealthy playboy, kind of Bruce Wayne nature of him on top of everything else is interesting. And I think that'd be a fun way of approaching the Ranger, where he's not just some uncouth 
guy backpacking through (laughs) the deep woods. Yeah. There's Robin Hood, but once again, that's a little close to the A little too on the nose. Yeah, it's too on the nose. But again, you have the the royal guy who's... uh, But that's more of a rogue thing, too, because you're dealing with the whole highwayman kind of robbing from people. So he might fit better as a rogue anyway Mm. than a ranger. Hmm. So that that we might slot over for our rogues. So any other rangers you can think of that might Technically Diana Prince is a great ranger, but she doesn't really fight with bow and arrow anymore. I kinda like her as a cleric slash paladin, but I don't know how well as she is as a healer. Yeah, she's but not she, really a healer. But she does have this kind of divine ability. She does have divine ability, but she can't heal people. Yeah, like like a smite, like a paladin. Yeah. So I think she would be good for that, especially when she has protective-like nature, like a shield, like how she uses her bracelets. And sometimes she actually full-on uses a shield, as in the film. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, everybody on Themyscira, or Paradise Island as it was originally known. Yeah. I don't know why we suddenly decided to have this have a name. Yeah, Amazons do fit the bill for a ranger. And that'd yep. be an interesting character to play as a ranger, to play a Amazonian Amazon. Hmm, strokey chin. <laughs> it's like, especially if you wanted to play something specifically Greek-themed, to have an Amazon be your ranger, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, she's an honorable mention, I think. But so far, I don't think anybody's beating Green no, Arrow. No, I'm pretty sure that... Green Arrow is going to win over everyone. So Green Arrow as our ranger. I'm I'm okay with that. I like the leadership thing. That's very cool. I wonder what kind of type of ranger he'd be. Probably a hunter? I don't know. It's probably one of those uh, unearth, unearthed arcana ones where he specifically goes after bad guys kind of thing. Yeah. Like a bounty hunter type ranger. Yeah. That seems to work. Uh, since we already touched upon the Robin Hood's rogue kind of thing, you want to go into that? Well, this one's going to be far easier because there are so many other ways to fit into Rogue. Yeah, I mean, any kind of spy or thief, Robin Hood definitely fits that bill. You're in that kind of fantasy setting anyway. He robs from the rich, gives to the poor. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but he's another one of those nobles that's going around being a scallywag. Yeah, so it's a little too similar to Green Arrow. Yeah. You don't want really the same type of character in your party you want a little bit of party balance yes which i think would also remove the scarlet pimpernel from that as well because that's a similar type to that where you have this highwayman like character that someone on the side yeah. plays a fop yeah that's exactly the word i was going to use person who acts like a fop in their real life mm-hmm. because they're rich ugly rich and scabby okay maybe not ugly <laughs> but you know then they're getting all down in the dirt with all the commoners and mm-hmm. being this folk hero yeah i like the character a lot the scarlet pimpernel but once again since you have the green arrow it kind of already fits that bill yeah for somebody that can have that dual life yeah we don't want the same so i don't need the same different characters what about if we go the spy direction and go something like a scarlet or scarlet a black widow Hmm, definitely so talking about somebody who's really good at disguise and information gathering and picking locks picking locks i mean even cybersecurity. if we want you know <laughs> i don't in, think in there's a, a modern... lot of cyber security in yep. dungeons and dragons no it depends on the edition because people can't update it to be modern or even like 
future tech. But if we are studying it in a fantasy world, then yeah, that wouldn't apply. But other things would. The sneak attack. So being able to stab you in the back, that sort of thing. The amazing dexterity. The deception in particular. Your rogue is often your skill monkey. And you get that with Black Widow is she'll know multiple things. She'll know multiple languages. She'll be able to speak and thieves can't. And so be able to get information through a spy network. Thieves Mm -hmm. skill. That's a strong one. So, so far, Green Arrow, Black Widow. Is there any other rogues that compare? How about (laughs) Ant-Man? Or is the shrinking thing just kind of put him completely out? Because we are talking about a professional thief. Yeah, well, if we're talking about Scott Lang, Ant-Man. Yeah. So I would would say Scott Lang. Yep, Scott Lang has... Not Hank Pym, Ant-Man. If you were to go Black Widow, you know, uh, Natasha Romanoff, or Scott Lang. It would be Natasha Romanoff. Yes, clearly. All the way. Yeah. Hmm. Other rogues. Trying to think of some uh, famous thieves through television and uh, and books and similar. So Matthew Broderick's character, Mouse from Lady Hawk, just doesn't quite compare. Not even remotely. Yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, he's a thief. So what? You know, big deal. He's a, he's a small time thief. Yeah. He's, he doesn't speak any other languages. <laughs> he's not good at deception. How about Carrie Elwes's character from Psych? I knew you were going to say <laughs> that. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, just how about the, um, Man Dread Pirate Bob? Roberts? Yep. Dread Pirate Roberts. Charisma. That one's pretty good. Yeah. Because Swashbuckler is a specialized rogue character type. You have the athleticism, you have the sneak attack, you have the charisma. But once again, do you have that double identity? But then with Black Widow, you have multiple identities. Yeah. Well, he's not a rich person pretending to be... True. See, he he became the Dread Pirate Roberts. Right. So he is Wesley, the Dread Pirate Roberts, really. Yes. He yes, took on indeed. that role. and That one is fun. Ooh, yeah. that's a contender, I Got think. Got his own ship. So there's also just the nice diversity of having a woman spy slash thief, too. Because mm. we already got a, a charming white guy in the ranger role. That's role. true. Mm. Want to stick with Black Widow? That's, that, I'm kind of leaning against or towards. I'm trying to think of other famous thieves slash spies. I mean, James Bond doesn't quite work because that's a whole different thing. I mean, even they address him as a blunt instrument. That's not what you want in a rogue. You want finesse. Yeah, he uses the name James Bond everywhere he fucking goes. Yeah, and he's not necessarily discreet. He does not fly under the radar, ever. Nope. nope. So, I don't think we're going to do any better than Black Widow in our rogue role. Okay, Black and, Widow it is. I mean, even kind of the leathery thief suit with all the pockets and stuff. And darts that shock you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, this one's going to be tough. How about we go next with the cleric or paladin? Kind of already addressed Diana Prince as a possible kind of paladin-like character. Mm. Um, religious figures. Oh, remember Dead Alive or what is known in Europe as Brain Dead? Mm-hmm. The, was it... What's his Peter Jackson's uh, zombie film? The most gory thing we've ever seen. They have a priest in that. Whose ear falls off and he eats it. He knows uh, (laughs) Taekwondo and he says he kicks ass for the Lord. (laughs) I like him as a cleric. Yep. But it'd be kind of like a combination cleric monk. Yeah. (laughs) Or he's a martial artist with cleric skills. Pre-zombie, of course. Yep. So yeah, before he turns into a zombie when he's actually kicking the head off zombies. Yes. That is the downside. He doesn't 
farewell in the film, so that might automatically eliminate him. Mm. So he might not work. Because really it's hard to find decent religious figures in media. Mm -hmm. It's usually they're shown to be the villains. That's because um, so often they are the villains. I'm not the biggest preacher fan, and he's a guy struggling with his faith anyway, and you really don't want that. You want somebody who is a devout? Yes. Cleric? Hmm. Joan of Arc. Whoa! All right, then. I don't think you're going to get any more devout than that. What, 17 years old, and she leads a French army against England? Mm Mm-hmm. She has that divine intervention because she has... Like St. Margaret speaking to her. It's like, hey, go attack this city. Or, hey, uh, go free the Dauphin and give him the throne of France. (laughs) Though she doesn't fare out too well either. But she does become a saint, so there's that. Getting burnt at the stake is not not a happy ending. (laughs) No. But we're not counting how they ended. Okay, we're talking... We're we're, plucking We're looking at them at their peak, right? Yes. At peak Joan of Arc. Yeah. And her appearance on... uh, in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, <laughs> she goes, does that jazzercise kind of thing. A woman, so that's really helpful. So once again, we kind of have a nice diversity. It's not going to be a bunch of white guys. No. Especially in the role of a cleric, because you don't expect that your cleric to be female generally. Though they do exist. I actually think that females are more often represented as healers. Yeah, we were talking about that when we were designing characters for D&D, is there's a reluctance for the women in our party to play a cleric for that reason, is they didn't want to be the the healers, the mothers, the tend-to-the-wound types, you know, the comforters. Yeah, that's not all we're good for. Yeah, I'm used to playing a cleric. I'm fine with playing a cleric. And then with Chelsea learning, oh, you could play other types than just healing. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, granted, they still get healing spells and, you know, play a druid and still get healing spells. Play a ranger and still get healing spells. Yeah, but so. even so, girls don't play D&D because they want to heal people. You don't really think of Joan of Arc being a healer, though. So you might have a cleric that doesn't ever heal the party. It's more like, uh, more in the line of a paladin where it's like, okay, I'm going to be there to deal damage, not heal it. Yeah, and that's like, Joan! Joan! I've got three hit points. Can you please cast a spell? Could go the other route of having some nurse. Is it Florence Nightingale? That's a bit weak, though, because you want somebody mm. with holy power. Yeah. And really, Joan of Arc's the only one to get grant that. But if you think of, like, faith healing and laying on hands, if that's a possibility. So Joan of Arc seems to be the one in the lead. Let's go with Joan of Arc. Yep. We can come back to it if we want. Yeah, if something pops into our head that's better than that, should we go... Let's go wizard. I bet you already know what you want to throw out there. I see in this, your smile on your face. You know what I'm going to say. Go ahead and say it. John Constantine. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going to go. Really? John Constantine would be a good warlock. Yeah, he'd be a good warlock. But, warlock wizard. But yeah, you could still slot him in there. It's going to be a slightly different rules. But yeah. there's fun things too, because a lot of the incantations are things he could do all the time. Which is unlike, you know, yeah, wizards get their cantrips, but it's not the same as incantations. Because yeah. some incantations can be quite powerful, like having mage armor be constant all the time. Mm-hmm. So you always have a plus three to your armor class. That's why he's always got the trench coat. He's got mage armor. Yeah, and he's got that banishment tattoo thing on his arms. That's so. only in the movie. Yeah, is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not in the comics. Ah. Doesn't he have some uh, protection spells tattooed on him, though? Eventually. Okay. John Constantine as a... Uh, 
What did you think I was going to say? I was going to think you were going to say Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme. That is true. But again, that's a sorcerer, not a wizard. Yeah, he still fits into that that whole magic thing. And the way they utilize him, he's more like the classical D&D wizard than a sorcerer anyway. It's not like natural magical ability. It's through learning. Yeah. Studying of spells, memorizing of spells, which he actually does. I mean, he's known to have this great memory in all those books he's read. He's memorized the incantations to cast spells. Well, if we're going to go with who would most fit the class, it would be Doctor Strange. I would throw in one of my favorites, which is Doctor Doom. He was a Sorcerer Supreme, but the evil thing kind of gets in the way, too, because it's really difficult to have somebody evil in your party. Yeah, you can't really do it effectively. Because he'd want to take over and rule and dominate and do everything his way, and that would just interfere with everybody else. Yeah, basically, it would. Uh, their first adventure would end, or actually maybe begin, with Oliver Queen filling him with arrows. Yeah. <laughs> if you can think of the ideal battle mage... There's no one better than Dr. Doom. Because you put him in full plate armor and be able to cast spells without a problem. That's pretty awesome. But, I don't know, John Constantine or Dr. Strange... Santana doesn't quite fit the bill. Zatanna. Zatanna? Actually, the Rebirth one is better than the original. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, the fishnet things is a bit of a turnoff. Yeah, I much more like her just dressing as a goth. Yeah, that's cool. It is far less ridiculous and much more realistic. <laughs> How about Lady Flame from <laughs> The Adventure Zone? <laughs> she's she's still kind of a novice, so yeah. she's still learning her magics. Oh, Aubrey. The thing is is that she really can only do flame and wind stuff right now. Yeah. Of course, you could go stereotypical and go with Gandalf from Merlin. We are not doing any of those. So we're, it seems like we're, well, we got one historical figure with Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. And then looks like we're going to have three comic book characters. Oh, I have a cleric. I have a cleric that might be Joan of Arc. Aerith from Final Fantasy VII. Oh my god. The perfect You're healer. Perfect healer. And she can fight. Yep. She's got that limit break that heals everybody. It's like mass heal. Mm-hmm. It makes them invulnerable for a limited amount of time. Yeah. Her high level one. Restores all your hit points and your magic points and makes you invulnerable for and a short amount of time. She does have this nature cleric kind of thing where she's tied in with the life stream. Yeah. And she's so, always growing flowers and yeah, always a flower girl. Something holy about her then. She's she's knowledgeable in the ways of Well, that was her material and was stuff. holy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I think Aerith from Aerith Final wins. Fantasy VII is going to be our cleric. She beats out Joan of Arc because she has the healing ability and can fight. Mm-hmm. And of course, her end isn't good either, but we're not taking we're that taking into consideration. We're taking them at their peak. At their peak, which is when you've got all four of her limit breaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Aerith from Final Fantasy VII, our cleric, Green Arrow, our ranger, uh, Black Widow, our rogue, and... Who is our wizard? Are we going Constantine and going with a warlock? Or do we want the Sorcerer Supreme himself, Doctor Strange? I would say I think the best fit is going to be Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Because his knowledge of Arcana, but also Constantine's knowledge of Arcana, they're comparable. But I think one's more occult than the other. I think one's more comprehensive. Yeah, well, see, Doctor Strange can deal with multiple universes. Yes. He, he is more powerful than Constantine. True. Okay, how about our most open uh, class, which would be the fighter? Bruce Lee? <laughs> <laughs> and just do a monk in that role? Fighter. 
Drax the Destroyer, Gamora. Um, Ooh, Gamora. Gamora's good. We're leaning towards Marvel, but that's because we're Marvel fans. Ooh. That's mm. the thing. There's so many choices because this is the easiest one to fill. Ivy Valentine from Soul Calibur with her sword whip. <laughs> Again, evil, so that would interfere with the yeah. team dynamics. We're not taking anyone with evil alignment. Yeah, so far I think we've got people who would work well with each other. I mean, there might be a little ruffling of feathers between Doctor Strange and Green Arrow. I don't know that that would necessarily be true because Doctor Strange has not as much ego as he used to. He Uh, has learned to temper that and so has Oliver Queen. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to look at... Doctor Strange as an expert in his field, mm-hmm. while Green Arrow has the tactical yes. applications, and so he's the one that plans. Yes. So, yeah, I could see them working well together. Aerith, we know, is a support character. Mm-hmm. She's not there to lead, she's there to assist. And Black Widow, yeah, there's that chance she might be doing something on the side, but we know that she throws aside that part of her character yes. and becomes more upfront. So, yeah, I think we got a good team so far. We just need a fighter. This is going to be the hardest one because there are too many choices. If you want a tank, Luke Cage. Yeah. And we get a person of color, mm-hmm. which is nice as well. I mean, you just put him on the front line. Yep. Nobody he, can hurt him. He's a decent guy, so likely he's going to avoid killing if he can, which is kind of a nice twist if you want a really good, good team. He doesn't necessarily need to use weapons. He can just smack people on the head and knock them out, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. So yeah, he's armor class, good frontline fighter. He's a decent combatant too. He's got the cool wrestling type moves and such. Good street fighter. What do you think? you think anything can beat Luke Cage for fighting? I don't know. Unless you want to get into where they have actual super, 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 super powers. We're not putting Superman in as our fighter. <laughs> nope, that's Superman as a paladin. There you go. Um... <laughs> I, I'm liking Luke Cage. Okay. I didn't think I would arrive on the fighter so soon. But really, I mean, how how could you improve past that? You know, I like that it's a person of color. So we have the diversity thing, which is really cool on the team dynamic. Because you want... Representation means something. You know, it matters. Yeah. And so when you create a team that's just a bunch of white people, it's like... Uh... I mean, we could also do Bruce Lee if you wanted a monk. But there's something about the tank, the, the ability to take damage, which Luke Cage He's has a that Magnus. other people don't. Yeah, he can rush in. <laughs> yeah, Luke Cage rushes in. He's like he's like a local hero, except it's more urban than than just the rural yeah. uh, commoners. We have time. Uh, do we want a sixth? Sure, why not? Class, uh, what do you think, bard? Yes, I was hoping you would say bard. So that's a very specific thing. And, oh, maybe we would slot in a monk if possible, but that's bound to be Bruce Lee. So why even discuss yeah. it further? If, if it was a monk, it would be Bruce Lee. Yes. Boom, done. Okay, a bard. So we need somebody with musical talent that's charming. There's, wasn't that... Bruce Campbell's kind of role on Xena, wasn't he something sort of like that? Or was he a straight up thief? Well, he was kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah, which which a bard is. They're a jack of all trades. They can do everything. They can apply half their proficiency bonus to any skill they don't have proficiency in. Mm-hmm. So if they were ninth level, they'd have a plus two on all their skills that they didn't specifically. And then they also have expertise, which doubles their proficiency in certain skills. So, yeah, if you want a skill monkey, so you want somebody who can pretty much do anything, 
but musical ability, talent, singing, Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Is our bard. Um, (laughs) He can make shit up on the fly. He has proven it. He's a person of influence. He's a person of color. He's a person of color. Um, He has a good, strong heart, which is kind of nice in a bard, because if you have an evil bard, oof, vicious mockery is uh, something else. Yeah. Make it a rapper, which basically he is. So there you go. God, I don't know if I can beat Lin-Manuel part. I, I don't think anyone could or would want to try. Because he's a songwriter and he's also, I mean, he's, he's a chronicler too. Because if you look at Hamilton, I mean, granted it's an adaptation from a book he read on Hamilton. But still, there is some creativity there in telling a story, which is what you'd want in a bard. It's kind of that minstrel thing, you know, as being the chronicler for your team. Able to write your adventures into song or poems. Damn, did we hit bard that easily? Heck, we might as well do all the classes at this rate, huh? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I'm sorry, I just had to jump on and do my Hamilton trivia in the app for the day, and I got all three questions right. Oh, nice. I'm proud of me. I didn't think that was a thing. Well, yeah. Well, see, I got the Hamilton app trying to get tickets through the lottery for Hamilton. Mm-hmm. That didn't work because um, I have zero. My my luck score is zero. And, but the app is still fun because there's the trivia thing. There's now a karaoke section <laughs> nice. where you can do a bit of select songs and film yourself singing them with or without backing vocals. There's different articles like there's this great article where Lin-Manuel Miranda had a phone conversation with William Daniels who originated the role of John Adams in the musical 1776 and he was super excited because he also loves Boy Meets World so Mr. Feeny nice very cool and that was a delightful thing to read even if you don't have any way to ever see Hamilton in your area just get the app because there's so much fun stuff in there Okay, so we're doing the rest of the classes, right? Sure. So if we do it alphabetically, we're on Barbarian. Drax. (laughs) Oh, God, Drax is good. Yeah. Conan's a little on the nose. Yeah, a little. I mean, he's He's Conan Conan the the Barbarian, barbarian. so it's like, ugh, it's a bit... Red Sonia. Red Sonia's good. Had another one. Xena. The Incredible Hulk, but you got that dual personality thing where he's also a scientist and it just doesn't quite work. Yeah. I don't know if I can beat Drax. Drax is good. But again, we're really, really heavy Marvel. That's because we know a lot about it. And yeah. that's those are the first things that come to mind. Wolverine, but also very Marvel. But the Berserker Rage thing. And also just kind of the ability to smell people out with his extraordinary senses. Mm-hmm. Mm, barbarian. <laughs> the Beastmaster. <laughs> oh, Lord, no. <laughs> no. No, I refuse. Uh, trying to think of somebody who's really primal. This one's a little tough for me. Drax is good, though. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know if I can beat that. The thing is, is that there are so few good characters that you can slot into that. Yeah. There are plenty of evil alignment people you could put in there. And it's so specific, too, as to somebody who's a bit more primitive, less cultured. And I don't want to make it more about, like, savages or something of like being the noble native american kind of scenario yeah so that doesn't quite i mean even though you could kind of slot that into the barbarian thing it still doesn't quite work there's something specific about being like a germanic tribe style barbarian and that's such a specific thing it's hard to nail that down but to take that and inspire it to something like drax where it is that kind of nomadic like character who's driven by rage Mm -hmm. and just how brutish he is 
Also that he doesn't understand metaphor and that happens with a lot of autistic kids and so they identify with him mm-hmm. there's that diversity thing too is being represented as having somebody that represents people with autism on screen as a positive figure so that's appeals to me as well so i don't know i i don't know if we can beat drax well and, and he is drax the destroyer and it's I not mean, like he wears armor you know no nope. he's usually sh- topless yeah. And yeah, so that's a very barbarian thing, is to be not wearing armor. He would probably go naked if he could with it being socially acceptable, but it's not socially acceptable, yeah. so he doesn't. So Drax the Destroyers are barbarian. All right. Uh, we already got our bard, already got our cleric, our druid. Mm. Wow. Um, somebody who's way into nature. Gladriel. Nope, two on the nose. Uh, Nobody from Lord of the Rings. I know. This one's tough because. How often do you see druids represented in media? Merle High Church. No, he's a cleric. <laughs> I, I, this is so silly. Okay. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is Tafiti from Moana. That's nice. I was also thinking Swamp Thing. Ooh, Swamp Thing. But again, that's we're still way into comic books. I kind of like the, the Moana thing. But she's actually the earth goddess so that's yeah like way on the nose it's more like somebody who would worship her yeah so so yeah ooh, swamp thing as a druid i feel like there's an answer here that i'm missing yeah because i'm drawn to like the female principle in this one just to have your connection to the earth and all that kind of thing yeah once again i can think of another person but evil alignment so yeah poison ivy poison ivy true evil alignment uh is there a some kind of Celtic hero that is tied to the Earth Goddess in some way. Can't think of any. Yeah, often this particular role, because they tend out to be like eco-terrorists or something like that, and so they're represented as being evil or at least unlawful. Hmm. There's also the wild shape, so if you want to look at skinwalkers or that kind of person, somebody you can change into some animal forms. Hmm. <laughs> what you thinking? You just smiled at yourself. Oh, that's, I'm not, I'm not putting that forward. Okay. I'm not. It was not worthy of discussion, it's, huh? Well, it's, it's a joke more than anything, but it was just, the shape-shifting thing was what made me think uh, of him. Ergo the Magnificent from Kroll. I haven't seen Kroll recently, so. He's the one that uh, could shape-shift. Cool. And uh, he became a puppy, so the little boy who was the ward of this, the, uh, blind monk religious guy uh-huh. uh, would be entertained for a day. He's like, if you could have anything, what would you want? And he says, a puppy. He's like, you can have anything. Why not uh, ten puppies? I only want one. <laughs> and so he becomes a puppy. Oh, nice. For, for him. He, he's been a tiger. He's been a goose. I mean, that's that's the first thing I thought of, but it doesn't really work as a druid. Oh, so it doesn't more, have any magic. other... It's just shape-shifting. There's no nature magic on top of that. No. No nature magic on top of that. Because I kind of just thought about Inuyasha, too, but I don't think he has other nature magic. It's just no. the shape-shifting and kind of that samurai thing. Yeah. This one's tough, because you don't see that many druids represented, at least in a positive manner. Hmm. Technically, Aerith would work in this role. Yeah. Because she can make flowers grow. So we might... No, we have to leave her as the cleric. Because we could shift her over to Druid and put somebody else into Cleric if yeah, we wanted but, Joan back. But I like her so much as the Cleric. Yeah, because she's such a healer. But she's very nature-oriented. Yeah, I'm trying to think of someone else hmm, that's nature-oriented. That's a tough one. Alan Moore. 
the comic book writer Alan Moore. Okay. <laughs> Alan Moore, you're now our oh. druid. Oh God, I can't I can't accept that one, can I? Oh God. Uh, unless he has nature druids. magic. True. I think he's more of just a full on occultist wizard kind of thing. God, druid is hard. If I just put in a list of druids and I don't recognize any of them. Black Panther? <laughs> nah, nah, that's technology. Yeah. But getting your power from a flower is very druid sounding, isn't it? It is. But they also get the power from, well, kind of the earth through metal. Yeah, well, it was a meteorite that grew into everything in that region. Right. Which is how the art, the art shaped, the heart shaped herb, gosh, or herb if you're British, came into being. It was vibranium infused. Oh, druid is hard. I mean, even looking up a list of fictional druids, none of the names other than Merlin. I don't even think no. Merlin is a druid. Okay, I've got a really out there idea. Okay. <laughs> Remember Sky High and Danielle Panabaker's character? Uh, she could make everything grow. That's right. Okay, is she better than Swamp Thing? Well, Swamp Thing has issues. Yeah, Swamp Thing is like more plant than man, I yeah. think is the He is very disassociated from humanity. Okay, this is the best one we've had offered. I like that it's kind of a deep cut. Her name was Layla. I like that it's a positive representation of the druid character type, which is rare because... Apparently people fear those that are close to nature. Yeah. So, okay. Does she have a, uh, a code name or could you I find just it? told her, told you her name is Layla. Layla. Oh, I, I, that's her name name. Does she have like a superhero? I don't think she ever chose one because she refused to even display her powers ah. because she thought it was ridiculous that they were sorting them into whether they were heroes yeah, or sidekicks. That, it, Sidekick because the power wasn't that impressive. Could be. So she's our druid. All right. Let me just double check because it's been so long since I've seen the movie that I can't tell you for sure if she ever had a code name. So Bruce Lee is our monk. Bruce Lee's the monk, of course. So that would leave us to Paladin, which we have some choices now because we want somebody who's morally upright, and that gives us Captain America, Superman, Wonder Woman, (laughs) those types. Yeah. The thing is, is that no one can beat Superman. Yeah, and Superman, I like the use of a shield for a paladin, so I think I'm going to eliminate Superman and make a contest between Wonder Woman and Captain America. Okay, fair enough. uh, Do you prefer Wonder Woman because she's not specifically tied to one particular country's government? (laughs) Or would you rather have Cap be in that role? In the comics, she is very much tied to America. Okay, that's true. She's... They're essentially the same character, really, in a way. They're just morally upright characters that fight oppressive, invading nations. Okay, is Cap going to interfere with Green Arrow as a leader? Yeah. So Green Arrow would have to not lead in that case. Do you think he'd be okay with that? Or do you think there'd be some strife between the two? I don't think Cap has to lead, but if... There are morally questionable choices. He's going to call them out. Right. Because they're both tactical geniuses. And they might have conflicting opinions on how to approach 
a mission. Yeah. So Wonder Woman, she seems to be accustomed to stepping back and letting others make the big decisions. It depends on which version you're talking about. If you're talking about the screen version, she closed herself off. So you haven't seen Justice League, so you don't know this. Okay. She closed herself off after Steve Trevor died. Right. And basically did not ever get involved in emotions. And she didn't want to be a leader because leaders get people killed. I can see that. And so she allowed uh, Green Arrow to still be the leader because she doesn't want the responsibility of making those life and death decisions. Yes. So Wonder Woman as her paladin. Yep. And also I am confirming that Layla Williams did not have a code name on right. Sky High. Excellent. But she is also a vegetarian. I love that. She's our <laughs> druid. Yep. Without question. Layla Williams, welcome to Druid Life. That was our choice. We were, it's a good choice, but it's one you can see we were reduced to because of all the poor choices outside of that. Well, I think it's a really good choice, yep, though. I because agree. Because she fits it perfectly. Yep. Okay, so after Paladin, Ranger, Rogue, Sorcerer, we determined... No, we didn't determine a Sorcerer. This is somebody who's naturally attuned to magic. They're basically born with it. Harry Potter. <laughs> Hermione Granger. Uh, now, anything from... Uh, scrap anything from the Harry Potter world? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So somebody born with natural magic. Naturally occurring magic. Through some kind of hereditary thing or maybe they came in contact with something that granted them magical ability could be shazam Ooh. could be the but, greatest american hero <laughs> yeah but th- that's again that's not really sorcery yeah i mean shazam is a magical uh, enchantment kind of thing. it is a magical enchantment but he doesn't use magic right he's just superman right but with a kid's body inside so if it's not somebody from Kids the Harry Potter world. I just feel like that's too that's, on the nose. That's too easy. It's yeah. like too easy to dip into the Harry Potter universe for somebody who's just a natural wizard. Where else could we find somebody like that? That's just naturally magic. Scarlet Witch? Ooh, yes. She Again. was she was altered. Yeah, but she's her power comes her power is not dependent on an object or training. It's yeah. just there. Well, technically she's a mutant that can shift reality, but in that way it doubles as magic, I guess. Yeah, well, she can do more than just shift reality. Yeah, and she do like eldritch-type blasts and that sort of thing. And she is freaking strong, which is why once she'd been created, all they could ever do with her is brainwash her or make her forget who she was. And And for some reason she's attuned to the Infinity Gems. Mm-hmm. which suggests something supernatural that's beyond just being a metahuman or mutant. Yeah. Again, we're dipping into Marvel, but that's... Well, see, that's the thing. Trend. In in the movie version of Scarlet Witch, she was basically created through experiments right. with the Mind Stone. That's, that's why she'd be attuned to that. That's not something from the comic then at all. I don't know enough about the comics version to say for sure. I've I could seen look it up her real quick. in a few things... And what I know most about her is she can alter reality, which is pretty big deal. Yeah, which is why, why did you create this character if all you're ever going to do is have her be brainwashed, kidnapped, subjugated, yeah, it's, mind wiped, etc. It's that woman or girlfriend in a refrigerator kind of approach yeah. to female characters they, in comics. They just call it fridging now. Yeah, because she's such a powerful character, but 
she was always being manipulated or misused, especially by characters like Doctor Doom. When you can alter reality, yeah, you can fix anything. Yeah, is she too powerful? Yeah, that's so. We need to not select her. The thing is, is that in the movies, she doesn't seem to be able to alter reality. Right. Maybe she could eventually. Maybe she doesn't know exactly what she can. Yeah, do. she's not aware of how powerful she can be. But we can keep we can keep talking. I'm trying to think of others that are just naturally attuned to magic, and a lot of them aren't just coming to mind because a lot of them are like urban fantasy or young adult novel kind of things, like Harry Potter knockoffs, you know, the Escape from Witch Mountain things. But weren't they aliens? Yeah, with like psychic abilities. So yeah, that well, doesn't quite fit. Psychic and telekinetic abilities. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, or is that more of a wizard study thing? Or is that closer to a warlock? No, I think she has powers. That That's she's just like naturally magical? Yeah. That way we kind of dip into the whole Riverdale universe? Are we happy with that? Wikipedia says that Scarlet Witch possesses abilities to alter reality in unspecified ways and is a powerful sorceress. Okay, then. If we just accept that she might be overpowered and include her anyway. Well, you can take away, you can go with the movie version without the altering of reality. So Scarlet Witch is our sorceress? Sorceress. Let's, and let me quickly look under powers and abilities here. She had hex powers when she was first created. Could cause random unlikely events to take place. So she's a sorcerer of wild magic. Yeah. That's really on the nose. And I like that because wild magic is a nice way to balance the superpower abilities. Because mm-hmm. that's what Mr. Neeb is in our party. Is he's a sorcerer of wild magic. And sometimes when he like shifts chance or luck, he triggers... An event like having random music play in the background. Yeah. Which then triggers the curse placed on our uh, pirate captain's slippers. <laughs> and so forces her to dance. Oh, that was so funny. That was great. <laughs> I really enjoyed that scene. Yep. So, right. I think we might be done because our warlock is Constantine. Our wizard is Doctor Strange. And I think that's all 12. Druid was a tough one. Think of all of them. Druid was the toughest to determine. Yeah, well, I won the day on that one. I'm happy with that. So should we recap? So our barbarian, Drax the Destroyer, right? Right. Our bard is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Perfect. Are we fine with that or did we want something more fictional? No, we said that we could use characters from fiction or reality. We're using Lin-Manuel Miranda. All right. Our cleric is Aerith from Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Our druid is Layla from, what is it, Sky High? Mm -hmm. Our fighter, oh, is Luke Cage. Yep. Our monk is Bruce Lee, Mm -hmm. unless you want somebody different. Nope, I like Bruce Lee. Our paladin is Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Our ranger is the Green Arrow. Our rogue, nearly forgot the rogue again, is Black Widow. Our sorceress is the Scarlet Witch. Our warlock is Constantine, and our wizard is Doctor Strange. Did I forget anybody? I think that's all 12, right? I think I don't know. I wasn't counting. <laughs> so, Drax the Destroyer, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Aerith, Luke Cage, Bruce Lee, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, Black Widow. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, that druid. Layla. Skip D. I was trying to do them alphabetically. Scarlet Witch, Constantine, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. That's the 12. Yep. High five? High five. That was fun. We did it. (laughs) And gave us a nice bit of discussion on character types and and archetypes and misrepresentation or poor representation of certain types. 
Like, not a whole lot of positive druids out there, I'm just saying. It'd be kind of nice. Maybe maybe that's a, a lacking field, mm. is to have positive druid-like characters in our entertainment. Something ripe for exploration. Yeah, maybe that's something to introduce into our multimedia world. And the funny thing is, in, in Sky High, Layla is a badass. Oh yeah, she's one of the more powerful of the people that got put in the sidekick category. Well, she refused to show her power. Mm-hmm. She refused pl- uh, to perform like a trained monkey, and she was just fine going in with the sidekicks. And wasn't she like the major romantic interest of our lead hero uh, character? She was trying to be, uh-huh. but he was an idiot uh-huh. and was um, bewitched by the villain. Right. I remember that. That also had Bruce Campbell in it. Yes, it did. Yeah, he was their gym coach. And the one forcing them to all show their powers. And they had one of the kids in the hall guy. I think it was Kevin McDonald? Is that the one? No, with honey. The... It was Dave Foley. No. Th- oh, they both of them were in there. Because yeah. the one that was the Brainiac type. Oh, yeah. That was teaching class had the huge head. But yeah, Dave Foley was in there, too. Mm-hmm. And Linda Carter, Wonder Woman herself. Yeah, as the principal. Yeah. It that was a fun movie. It was a fun movie. Yeah. I only saw it the once, but yeah, it was a fun movie. Yeah. Uh, I think we're done. I think we... Uh... We nailed that. It's a bit of a shorter episode, apparently. That's okay. <laughs> it was a nice, loose discussion. It was kind of what I was looking forward to. It was one of the old days where we just sh- shot the shit. Yeah. Well, and besides that, we didn't have that much news and reviews. Nope. So, yeah, and it doubled as Comics Corner as well. And it all fit in with, to our whole Dungeons & Dragons theme. Yep. So. Which we weren't really going for. It just happened that way. Yeah, it just hap- so happened that we had the graphic novel at... We had a song that kind of fit in, etc., etc. Yes. So, uh, your shout out or my shout out? Our shout out. Our shout outs. Hey! Oh yeah, I usually go first, don't no, I? You go ahead. It's Gary Gygax Day. So speaking Sweet. of Dungeons and Dragons, it is July twenty seventh as we record. Gary Gygax was born July twenty seventh, nineteen thirty eight. Major developer of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, there were kind of game-based battle systems beforehand but yeah he really compiled them into what we know of as dungeons and dragons so yeah to have a dungeons and dragons themed episode on his birthday just happened to be a bit of kismet because i only learned that like later on today yeah i discovered that through looking at twitter and facebook it's like oh it's gary gary gygax day yeah sadly he left us in 2008 yes uh good innings though i mean that's how many years just under 70. 70? Yeah, he could have lived a little longer, I suppose. It's probably all that Mountain Dew and Doritos being a role player. Yeah, well, my mom it was born March 28th, 1938, and she's still kicking. Yep. So. Yes, indeed. But then my dad was is not, and he was born September 11th, 1938, because fuck cancer. Fuck cancer and fuck working at the, or one of the first, if not the first, nuclear power plant. It was the first. Yep. Many I people thought it was that. the first, I just didn't want to assume. It was the first in America. Yes. Uh, your shout out, darling. My shout out. This is bizarre because it's not like she's listening. But Mary Wiseman, I adore you. <laughs> if you don't know who Mary Wiseman is, I'll explain. You all know that I'm into Star Trek Discovery. So is Dave. He enjoys it very much. Yes, it's and, my favorite Star Trek series. And when there are new episodes running, I get to do a live podcast with my friend Bruce Gibson. 
And I look forward to the day when that happens again, which will happen in quote-unquote early 2019, according to the season two trailer for Discovery. <laughs> Mary Wiseman plays Sylvia Tilly on that show, and she is my spirit animal. Yes, very similar. And Mary Wiseman is just a delightful person, and I adore her. I'm actually tomorrow going to be recording an episode of The Edge, which is the Trek FM podcast, main podcast for Star Trek Discovery, uh, where we will be talking in depth about Tilly, and I am very much looking forward to extolling her virtues and professing my love. Woohoo! Not in a weird way. Yeah, she's a ginger. She's a ginger. She's curvy. Yes. Just, all, I just love her. It's a wonderful I love, smile. I love Mary Wiseman so much. Yep, and she seems to have a lot of fun on set with her fellow cast and crew. Everybody seems to have a great time on that show. Yeah. Everybody. So it seems like there's a lot of... Uh... All the drama happens in, like, the writer's room and the producers and stuff. The cast are fine. <laughs> yeah, the cast are like, yeah, it's this like is every, great. Everybody involved with the behind-the-scenes stuff, that seems to be where the drama is. Where, where you have Doug Jones, mm-hmm. there is harmony. It's because he's a hugger. He probably hugs them all. <laughs> yeah, give me a hug. Hug. He's just, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm sure, I'm not saying that the other people in the cast aren't wonderful people, because I think yep. that they're are really wonderful people in this cast. But Doug Jones has this ability to just, I don't know. It's like having Abe Sabian there. so Kind of like that, yeah. yeah. He's just um, he's just a good influence. He's just one of the kindest, happiest people ever. Yeah. So, yeah. I just, uh, I just really dig that show, and I really dig Mary Wiseman. I used to say that my favorite character in Discovery was a tie between Michael Burnham and Sylvia Tilly, but after rewatching Discovery, Tilly has taken the lead. Yep. And that, that's not to say that Michael isn't great. This is a show full of great characters, and it's always very difficult for me to pick a favorite anything. I liked Lorca a lot, but that figures. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> I'm not saying anything. No. Nope. Anyway. <laughs> it just makes sense that I would. I'm just, um, no, I'm not saying anything. I just. Yeah, just no spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah. I just, I still think there's a chance that Prime Lurk is alive. Anyway, um, spoiler. <laughs> Boy, you uh, intrigued me. I just made an ooh face. It's like, became an emoji for a second yeah. there. The wow emoji. Yeah. Oh. I'm, yeah, anyway, that's just that's just personal feeling and theory. So, Mary Wiseman, you're brilliant. Mary Wiseman, Mary Wiseman. And I look forward to more Mary Wiseman and an expanded role, hopefully, for Tilly in season two. Nice. All right, that's the end of the episode. We'll come back with episode 75 to close out this year of podcasting. Good Lord and butter. Which means I need to get my ass in gear and develop some new uh, intro and outro music and stuff for next year's podcast. And you have season. such a nice ass. Yeah, this flat shovely thing. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's the end of this episode. We'll be back maybe to talk about ASMR. Yeah. I've been meaning to do that and I haven't yet. Then let's do it. So, yeah, I'll have to, I've done a little bit of research into it, but yeah, it'll be interesting to delve a little deeper. Yeah. So, all right. We'll be back with the weird quasi-scientific <laughs> episode. So, TTFN! It's still kind of debatable. So, yeah, uh, ta-ta for now? Yep. Ta-ta for now!
just listened to the Dark Corner Podcast, hosted by Brandy and David Jacola. Find us and other fine podcasts at strangeanddeadly.com. Send any feedback to the Dark Corner Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dark Corner Cast. You can also like the Dark Corner Podcast page or join the Dark Corner Podcast group on Facebook. The intro and outro music is Artificial Nocturne, Love Thy Brother Remix by Metric. The dark track featured on the podcast was either submitted directly or offered for free by the artist or the artist's representatives. No infringement of copyright is intended. If you enjoy the show, please rate us and leave a review on iTunes. If nothing else, then to let us know that you're out there listening. Now we return you into the light. Until next time, peace and love. Like shadows in a stranger's dream Hiding out in the back together Thank <laughs> you.